This is week two of our series called Weird, and we're going down this path talking about what it means to be weird in a God kind of way because normal isn't working. Did you know 67% of Americans hate what they do for a living? Every day, 67. That's two-thirds of the people in the workforce today in America literally hate what they do. So as they're driving to work, you can imagine on any given day that two-thirds of the people out on the street absolutely hate where they're going, hate what they're doing. They're slamming three or four or five-hour energy drinks just to get there. They're, they're blocking the line at Starbucks just trying to get some caffeine in their system because they so hate what they're doing. They don't want to get out of bed, but they're forcing themselves to go because they hate what they're doing. You know what? If that's normal, I don't want to be normal because normal isn't working. Say that with me. Normal isn't working. Now, I want you to know something. I had a little practice being weird growing up. I don't know if anybody else, we have any other weirdos here. But uh, weird, weird it just kind of came natural to me. It was always a little bit different. In fact, in the 80s, it was easy to be weird. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I got a couple pictures of, you, of, of me from the 80s. Let me show you some pictures here. This is me and my good friend, Mark Berry. By the way, Mark Berry, this guy right here is a multi-gazillionaire now. Hard to believe, but we were in a rock band uh, back in the day called One Voice, and uh, we were we were like the dueling guitar players, man, and, and we had it going on, but uh, yeah, it's a little weird, but the 80s were weird. Can I get a witness there? Remember Weird Science, that movie? Here, I got a couple more. Let's keep going, please. All right, this is, this was when, this was my youth group. Any of y'all remember me talking about my first youth group that I had one kid named Corky? I found a picture of Corky. That's Corky standing there with his hands up. He's excited. Got a little mullet action going on there. But that's my youth group back in the, in the 80s when I was a college student back in the day. What else we got there, Randall? Oh, yeah, that's another picture of me attempting to shred. Okay, back in the day. All right, keep it going. Keep them going. How do you like that shirt and those suspenders? Now, we've talked about mullets. And I didn't have any great pictures of me in a mullet, so I just made one up. So I, I thought maybe maybe this will give you an idea of what I might look like with a mullet and about half my head gone. I was kind of kind of awkward there. Why are y'all covering your mouths and stuff? It's not that bad, is it? Okay, Nick, I got now. This is for Pastor Rich. I, I thought I would uh, thought I'd get me a fro going. He's always talking about he's going to have a fro in heaven. So I thought, you know what? I may give him that link, and he can throw a fro right back on any of his pictures there. But uh, anyway, I thought y'all might want to see how I looked during my disco days, 1978, the Bee Gees. Come on, somebody. A little night fever action going on there. All right, so how many know um, uh, I was kind of weird? Okay, all right, all right. Now, I want to share a couple of things from me. You can please get rid of that now. We can move right on. Yeah, weird is better. All right, we can keep moving there. Now, in high school, I was like everybody else. I pursued normal. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to fit in. You know, we all say we want to stand out, but we really don't. We, we do, but we don't. It's one of those push-pull kind of things where we want to be noticed, but we don't, we don't want to be weird. So, and, and, and I pursued normal like everybody else in high school. And so I got radically, radically, radically born again at the end of my senior year. My best friend that I grew up with named Randy, he, he suddenly realized that 
I was weird in a God kind of way, and I'll never forget standing there going, Randy, hey, man, would you go to church with me? And he was like, "Uh, dude, don't talk to me about that Jesus stuff. I was in shock because he had actually grown up going to church. I didn't. I thought he would be excited that I finally came over. And he was like, man, I don't want any part of that now. And so all of a sudden I found out that I was weird, but I was weird in a God kind of way. See, God did a work in me, and it literally changed my life. Everything was different. And so I was too weird for my, for my old party friends, and I was still a little bit too weird in, 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 in another way for the church friends because I lived in that in-between stage. But I'll never forget another weird moment that I had, and that was after I became a Christian, I had started reading the Bible. I was really excited. In fact, I worked for my dad one summer before I went to school, and he was, he had, he was a Lubbock County fireman, and so he had a second job, and they had two occupations, and he owned a chain-link fence company. I did all the welding. I welded all the gates and did all the iron work and all that stuff, and so I did all the, what we call wire welding back then, and so so that's what I did. So I was stuck basically at a shop all day long. So on my breaks, I would read the Word. And then I would listen to all these programs on a station called KJAK in Lubbock, Keeping Jesus as King. And uh, they played guys like uh, they played like Chuck Swindoll, John MacArthur, crazy wild people like Kenneth Copeland. Uh, they just had program after program after program. J. Vernon McGee, program after program after program. And I just got the word, the word, the word, and I was just saturating all summer. Well, finally, I realized that I was getting so weird that my dad was starting to notice and that it was time to have the talk. Now, I don't know if any of you here have any parents who are not Christians who never leaned towards Christianity, never never went to church growing up, but that was me. I wasn't raised in church at all. So here I am, suddenly weird in a God kind of way, and it's time to have a weird moment with my dad. And I'm telling you, I was nervous. How many of y'all know it's sometimes harder to, to share good news with the people closest to you? Am I the only one that that's, seems a little... So I go to my dad. It's after work one day. It's about 5.30 in the afternoon. It's a hot summer day, and, and it's kind of overcast. I just remember everything about it. And I said, Dad, I need to talk to you. And he goes, what? And I said, uh, I said uh, well, I said, I had a good day. Cranked out a bunch of gates, cut up a bunch of pipe. You know, Everything's ready for tomorrow. Great, great. Appreciate it. Good job. I said, but I need to tell you something. He's like, what? And I said, I said well, a couple of months ago, um, Remember that band director, Jimmy Stringer, from Post, my high school? He goes, oh, yeah, I remember him. I said, well, he shared, he shared something with me that, that kind of made me start thinking about things. He said, what kind of things? I said, uh, God stuff. He's like, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, and, uh, and then, then after I moved back to Lubbock, do you remember uh, my friend Carlos Cespedes that I played football with growing up? Oh, yeah, I remember Carlos, big kid. He's, I said, well... He, he got Jesus, and then he invited me to church uh, to, to see his baptism, and I stood him up. And so he came, showed up on my porch dripping wet, and said, why didn't you come to church? And he guilted me into going to this thing, and so I went, and an after-church fellowship. And, well, it's just, I've, I've, given every, I've given my life to God. What do you think? And my dad, he just sat there, and he kind of looked down, and he goes, well... Son, I guess I'm happy for you, but just don't get too fanatical with all that stuff. 
Just don't get weird. I'm sitting there going, man, this already feels weird. <laughs> this is awkward moment. Um, and I said, so I went on and I shared what little bit I knew. Let me just tell you something about sharing your faith with somebody. You do not have to be a theologian. You do not have to know the Bible. You just have to know Jesus. And you could have known him for an hour to share your faith with somebody else. All you have to be is saved and you're ahead of the curve if you're sharing Christ with somebody who's not a Christian. There is no excuse. Well, I need more training. I need more time. I need more instruction. I need to go through the purple book three more times. I need to go through the one-to-one book. I need, I need the connect class. I need, I need that. No, 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 no. If you know Jesus, you're, you're ahead of the curve. And to share your faith with somebody doesn't mean you've got to know all the answers. You just need to know him. And so my dad started, in his intellectual fashion, started shooting questions to me, and I knew the answer to none of them. Now, if he would ask me about church, I'd been like, oh, well, I'll go to the Southcrest Baptist Church in Lubbock, and it's really nice people, and I'm the youngest one there on Wednesday nights because I'm so excited about this Jesus stuff, and, and they, they pray for people, and, you know. And so I, but he didn't ask me any of those questions. He asked me questions I didn't know the answer to. And you know what? I got intimidated. I got nervous. But here's the deal. I was still a step ahead of him. And even though I realized in that moment that I am now weird in a God kind of way, I didn't back down. I didn't quit. I didn't run away. And I decided if this is weird, then I'm just going to be weird. If this is the way it is, this is the way it is. And if, if this is what it means, that even my own dad will reject me. Now, he didn't abandon me as a person, but he just flat out said, okay, I, now that you've said it, now that we've had this talk, it's great. I appreciate it, son. Hope it goes well for you. But let's not talk about this again. And so my dad had shut down any opportunity or permission for me to share my faith again. So that was a weird Moment. I'm sure some of you have had some weird moments. Let me just give you the, the last of what we talked about last week. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. Do you want to be normal? I've been doing a lot of reading on eagles and stuff. I'm not going to go into all that, but it is just, I do not want to be a chicken or a turkey. I want to soar with the eagles. You know what I'm saying? If you want what normal people have, if you want to be a chicken, just do what chickens do. If you want to be a turkey, just do what turkeys do. But if you want to be an eagle and you want to soar and you want to fly and you want, you want to make a difference, then find some eagles. Look at what they're doing and begin to do what eagles do. If you want what few people have, do what few people do. Last week we talked about the narrow road the wide road and the narrow road. Today I want to talk about this, that it's okay to be different, not only okay, but when spirit-directed, different, weird is better. And that is the topic for today. Weird is better if you're taking notes. First Peter 1, 15 and 16 says this, But just as he who called you is holy, all right, this is God himself is holy, So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. That word holy literally is the Greek word hagios, and it literally means to be set apart. It means to be holy. It means to be pure, and it means to be different. So weird is holy. Holy is weird. It's set apart. It's different, and it's okay. Not only is it okay, it's better because normal isn't 
working. I remember when I first became a Christian and stepped over that line and had that summer there in that shop, you know, doing that welding for dad. And I was so hungry for the word of God and so hungry for the Bible. And the only thing I had was a King James Version Bible. And, and listen, I, I wasn't raised in church, so Elizabethan English was, was a foreign language to me. All those these and thous and wusts and, and uh, I mean, you know, stuff like, you know, Lazarus coming from the grave, he stinketh, you know, I mean, that was just like another, I mean, that, that was like, a, it might as well have been Greek to me, but God gave me grace and I buried myself in that book. Don't tell me you can't learn. Don't tell me you can't as a new Christian. And listen, I wasn't being discipled at the time. I didn't have anybody really speaking in my life other than those radio programs. But I decided normal wasn't working for me. I wanted to be different. And I continued to bury myself. And, I, and God put such a love for his word in my heart. You know, when people, and I don't mean this in a mean way or a bad way, when people tell me they don't, I just can't read the Bible. It's just boring to me. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Let me just say something real strong and real straight and get this out of the way. If this book isn't alive to you, you may not be alive to him. I know that's strong, but let me tell you something. It's this book. It's that this book is all we have. That is the revelation of Jesus to man. That is the revelation of who God is. That is that is the tell all. And if we don't get that, then how can we get anything? And so I'm not, I'm not just saying that you just need to go walk out the door doubting your salvation because you had a hard time reading this week, but I'm just saying maybe we need to investigate a little deeper and go, Lord, give me a hunger to hunger. Give me a desire to desire that word because that word is life. It's health to my flesh, the Bible says, and I need it. And I just, the Lord just blessed me, and I just, I just had such a hunger for his word. The goal is not to be weird for weird's sake, but to honor God by walking a different path than normal. And like I said before, if, if, if normal is what we see around us, I don't want to be normal. Why be normal? That was a big thing in the 90s. Anybody remember that? Why be normal? Bumper stickers, T-shirts. I had it all over my office. Why be normal? Normal is broke. Normal is busted. Normal is disgusted. Normal is depressed. Normal is overwhelmed. I don't want to be normal. You ever talk to people who go, well, my allergies are coming up again. Well, that's normal. I don't want to be normal. Every time about this year, I get, just get, I just get, I get thrust into a deep depression because the holidays are coming and I don't want to be normal. Every year I go into debt because Christmas is coming up and my goodness, we, we got to get presents for everybody. It's a tradition in my family and that's just normal. I don't want to be normal. Well, you know, if you love somebody, you'll sleep with them and have sex with them. That's normal. I don't want to be normal unless I'm married. Then I want to be real normal. Come on, somebody. About to preach. My wife is grinning and shaking her head. It's time to leave the wide road that leads to destruction, take the narrow road that leads to life. Listen to this out of Psalm 69. Listen to this. Listen, I love this. Passion, 
passion for your house has consumed me. Now listen to all these descriptors here. And the insults of those who have fallen on me. Insults. Now, there's some things that happen when you're weird and you start to stand out. Things begin to happen around you. Verse 10, when I weep and fast... Look what happens. They scoff at me. Why? Because you're weird because you you weep over the loss and you fast for God to move. That's weird. They scoff at me. Verse 11, when I dress in burlap to show my sorrow, to show sorrow, that was something that they did. It was was a way to say, I'm in mourning right now. And that that was typical to their culture. It says, they make fun of me, standing out. I am the favorite topic of town gossip. And all the drunks sing about me. Why? Because when you're walking with God, you stand out and you become a target. And we're going to talk about one of the things that causes us to stand out in just a minute. And it is this thing called persecution. Now, I want to talk to you about the crabs in a bucket syndrome. Now, we obviously don't live on the coast here, but you got a picture there of crabs in a bucket. You know what crabs in a bucket do? It's real interesting. If you catch a bunch of crabs, put them in a bucket, and then you've got some time to kill, you can literally set that bucket down without putting a lid over it because crabs cannot get out of the bucket. Did you know that? Actually, they can, but here's the problem. Whenever you have crabs in a bucket and one tries to get out of the bucket, the other crabs in the bucket will literally grab the, the crab by the tail and drag that crab right back down into the bucket. And then another one on the other side of the bucket tries to get out because they see a way of escape. There's nothing holding. There's no lid. And so I'm going to get out of the bucket. And and then suddenly while that crab thinks it's going to make its way out of the bucket and not be so normal, all of a sudden some other crab grabs it by the tail and pulls it back down. That's the crab in the bucket syndrome. Let me tell you something. There are people around you that when you try to step out into a new way of living, a new way of life, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to read the Bible. Let me tell you something. There will be crabs all around you, crabby people all around you, grabbing you by your tail and pulling you right back down into the bucket. Why? Because misery loves company. And normal thrives in numbers and multitudes. Don't try to be different. Don't try to stand out. Please be like us. Anybody ever remember that when you were younger? You're trying to do something right. You're trying to do something good. And you're trying, you actually end up at a party. You end up in a, in a place where, and, and you're thinking, you're thinking this time I'm not going to drink. This time I'm not going to do it. No, no, I'm going to, I'm a Christian. I know better than that. I got convicted. I messed up last time, but I'm not going to do it this time. And you show up, and you're there in that environment, and there's crabs all over the place. And you're thinking, God, God, oh, I can't believe I'm here. I need to get out of here. I, I, I shouldn't even be here. Let me tell you something. There are crabs all around you. They're going, no, 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 have one with us. What's one more going to hurt? Oh, come on, a little sip won't hurt anything. Let me tell you, we've been called to live hagios, holy, pure, different, set apart, And we've allowed the world to define that and make it weird in a worldly way. But we should be weird in a God kind of way and celebrate the fact that we're different. 
man, you ought to be able to walk into, out of, through a party with your head up and go, don't need that. Oh, gosh. Oh, you look ridiculous. You're going to feel that in the morning. We ought to be able to walk in, walk out. We ought to be able to walk into a party and pull somebody out by the nap of the neck. Say, I love you so much. I'm getting you out of here. Let's go. And all the other crabs will try to hang on to them. Never forget the crab in the bucket syndrome. Because about the time you try to do something extraordinary, the time you try to lift yourself out above the crowd, the crowd will try to grab you. I'd love to say that doesn't happen in church or in a Christian culture. But unfortunately, it can happen here, too. You hear Pastor Rich, you hear myself, and we talk a lot about victory. We talk a lot about overcoming. Let me tell you something. Misery loves company in the church, too. Sure is quiet. I remember when I was writing a lot, and I sent out hundreds of, uh, I did an email list and had a lot of readers and a lot of subscribers to it. And for about a three-year period, I sent these out. and, And I remember tracking hits I would get on this blog and, and, and the feedback I would get. And if I wrote something real miserable about, oh, I'm having a horrible week and I'm questioning my faith and I'm struggling in my da- I would just get floods of returns. And the people pleaser in me liked that. Felt good. Oh, man, everybody's just, oh, we're all just one big miserable family. Christians. But whenever I wrote things like, man, what an awesome week. Let's fly like an eagle. Let's soar. Let's get our, our attitude determines the altitude. Let's, get it. Let's go high. Let's go higher. Let's go further. God is on the throne. Jesus rules. Man, I get one or two little hits back. I go, man, what's the deal? I begin to see a pattern. It's called the crab in the bucket syndrome. And listen, it happens in the church too. At some point, we have to get as excited about someone else's victory as we could be about our own. So when Pastor Rich steps up here and he's fired up, he's pumped up, he's excited, he's got Eric or Mark going on the drums. I mean, I'm expecting him to drop to his knee and somebody put a cape around him. He gets so fired up sometimes. little James Brown moment there. He's so fired up. And and we ought to be standing up cheering too, even if we're not in victory in the moment. Because like I said earlier, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And your win could be now. We got this attitude, no, I'm miserable. Here's what we'll do. We'll find other Christians that are miserable around us. Have you ever noticed that? Tell you as a pastor, I see it clumps here, clump there, clump there. Misery, gossip, frustration, disenchantment, disillusionment, doubt, fear. There's a fear crowd over there. And they'll, they'll find each other. And then you got one or two in victory. Woohoo! You feel like you're by yourself. Now, I'm saying this because this crab in the bucket syndrome has got to stop in the church. We expect it in the world. They don't know any better. We know better. And we've got to begin to go, that crab is trying to get out of the bucket. Hey, crabs, let's go help. And we begin to push. And we begin to help. And we begin to get them out of the bucket. And then sooner or later, somebody says, well, now, what about the last crab in the bucket? Well, everybody reaches over with their claw, grabs their claw, and gets them out of the bucket. We've got to shift our thinking and begin to celebrate each other's victories instead of always saying, no, be miserable with me. 
please cry with me. Listen, we know when one weeps, everybody weeps. We get that in the Bible. We know that. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. But I'm ready to see somebody dance. We're doing a lot of mourning right now. But maybe somebody needs to dance. Can I get an amen? A couple of things here. Yeah, you can clap for Jesus. It's all good. Two barriers on the road to weird. Let me just give you a couple of things. Number one is the inward pull, and it is this. It's the need to please. This is a barrier on the road to weird because we don't want to stand out, but we do. We want people to notice, but we don't. So, so it's a barrier because there's this tendency in all of us to want everybody to pat us on the back and applaud us. Let me tell you something. If you're going to stand out and you're going to soar, listen, eagles fly alone. You need to understand that. There are times when you're going to have to fly at an altitude where other people can't breathe. It's not a pride issue. It's just sometimes you've got to shake off the stuff by going to an altitude where the stuff can't live. The parasites. The things that drain. And so there's this need to please. We're consumed with it. I mean, if I get weird for God, what will people think? If I lift my hands and worship, what will people think? Well, in this church, nobody will think anything. <laughs> so you're safe here. What will people think if I, if I get excited? What will people think if I say amen out loud? I remember the first time I... Now, you guys, you guys got to understand my background. I was not raised in church. And so I, I go to a church, and everybody's lifting their hands. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? This is weird. This is messing with me. Or somebody says amen out loud, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened back there? There's a disturbance back here in this section. I mean, you got to understand the churches I came out of, nobody said anything. If you coughed, people were like, excuse me. <laughs> Keep that down over there. Or if you had a baby crying, if we have a baby crying in here, we go, oh, hold that baby up. Let's see that baby. woo we got life in here. But, uh, but I came out of churches where you just, you just can't be quiet. And, and the pastor did a lecture. You know, he, stood, he stood behind, and he had a little, little thing that came off, a little microphone here. And he couldn't leave that because then you couldn't hear him. So he had to stay right here. So none of this running around stuff. You got to understand, that's what I came out of. We want to fold in. We want to fit in. We, we want to please everybody. We want to make sure we don't disturb anything. We don't want to rock the boat because then we may be weird. It's time that we begin to worry more about what God thinks than what people think. Can I get an amen here? That's a good place to say amen. And put it this way. Becoming obsessed with what people think is the quickest way to forget what God thinks. 1 Samuel 15, 24 says this. Then Saul admitted to Samuel. Now, you've got to understand, this is when King Saul blew it big. He says this. Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Well, it's their fault. They demanded that I do that. No, I was afraid of the people. And so I did what they wanted. Now look at, look at the price he paid for this. But now, please forgive my sin and come back with me. He's talking to the prophet, Samuel. So that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. 
Saul's need to please, Saul's need to be accepted literally cost him everything. Everything. And his kingdom was handed over to a teenager named David. He lost everything because of his need to please. I was talking to Rachel one day. We were going to school this last week. And she made a little comment. And she said, said yeah, sometimes, because she just does this real randomly. She's 10, so everything's random right now. Well, you know, sometimes the kids at school say I'm weird. And I looked over at her and I said, that's awesome. Now, inside, I'm going, <gasps> you know, oh, my gosh, the parents' worst nightmare. My kid may stand out. There may be something wrong, you know. And I said, well, that's awesome, Rachel. What do they mean? You know, I'm like, I'm investigating now. That's what parents do. So I'm, I'm benevolently manipulating my child to get this information out. Like, what do you mean they say you're weird? In what way? You're, like, picking your nose, eating your boogers in front of everybody? What's going on? That's what some kids did when I was 10. So, anyway, I want to know what's going on here. And she said, no, she said, no, they just, they just think I'm weird because I'm silly sometimes and because and I'm happy a lot of the time and I smile a lot and, and I like school. And I'm like, wow, you're weird because you like school. I said, that's good weird. And I said, Rachel, do you know what we talked about in church last Sunday? I talked about and shared with our people that it's good to be weird in a God kind of way, but not weird for the sake of weird. Because God has a custom weird for you. And your custom weird shouldn't look like somebody else's weird because we don't want to be copies, right? And so I had the most amazing conversation with my daughter driving to school, getting to talk to her about the value of weird in a God way. And I kept get, tagging that on, in a God kind of way, in a God way, in a God way. And I make her repeat it because we do declarations and confessions on the way to school. Why? Because I'm raising a warrior, not a wimp. Amen? I'm raising a champion. Not a cheater, amen? And so we, we do these declarations, and, and by the time she gets out of the car, she's like, I got the favor shield around me, and she's all excited and everything. And you know what? If that makes her weird that she's happy, and if it makes her weird that she feels like she's not challenged in the fifth grade and wants me to go talk to her teacher to say, would you please give me more homework, which is what's going on right now, I'm like, that's weird. I would have never done that as a child. But she is because we're raising a warrior and a champion, Amen. The value of being weird in a God kind of way. You stand out simply because you're there. That's weird in a God kind of way. And we need to teach our kids that it's okay to not be normal because normal isn't working. And it's okay to raise them. The expectations of others will destroy our God-given personality. It'll destroy it because everybody is like a crab in a bucket who wants you to be right where they are, trapped, stinking, and dying. Just come back down with us. Just hang out with us. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm crawling out of the bucket, and if somebody grabs my crab tail, I'm kicking their crab claw. And we're going out. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to grab a few and take them with me. Amen? No more crab living. Amen? Here's the last one. We'll end with this. There was an inward pull. That's the need to please. Here's the outward pull. This is the one nobody likes. Well, we don't like any of them. It's persecution. The word persecute means to pursue as in to overtake. That's what it literally means. To persecute is to pursue as in to catch, to snare. Listen to this. John fifteen eighteen. 
Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Well, that should make you feel better. They hated him first, so they're going to hate you. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I choose you. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Come out of the bucket. Crabs, unite. Come out of the bucket. Let's get out of this thing. Let's not be like the rest of them. Because you, know you know what their destiny is? There's going to be a boil that night. Somebody's going to feast on them. Somebody's going to devour them. Somebody's going to eat them for dinner. So we got to get out of the bucket, amen? He says, I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted, pursued, and overtook me, naturally they will persecute you. Naturally, he's saying, okay, this isn't even weird. This is normal in a God kind of way. They will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would have listened to you. Church, family, beloved, it's okay to be weird in a God kind of way because normal isn't working. Normal is shattered. Normal is let's just all stick together in our misery in this bucket. Let's not fight the inevitable that, 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 that life's going to, we're going to be destroyed. Don't, don't fight the inevitable. It's just going to get worse before it gets better. I'm so tired of people saying that. You go hang out with the other crabs. I'm getting out of the bucket because I refuse that stinking thinking. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in Jesus' name, let's have our worship team come on up. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, help us to accept the fact that weird is better and we will not live as the rest of the crabs do. Father, may we fight off our tendency to want to fit into a broken culture and a broken world. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to give a, just say one thing about this. This isn't to say you're not going to have bad days, bad seasons. Difficult times will come. Persecution happens. Circumstances collide. Sometimes there's a perfect storm of life stuff that happens. So I'm not even talking about that. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you're having a bad season, a bad day, then you've just, you've just settled for. Listen, life happens. It's difficult and it's tough. So I want to I be clear on that. Don't want to be misunderstood. However, even in the midst of a bucket time, you can say, I may be in this bucket right now, but I'm not staying because I can look out the top of that bucket and I see the sky. I see it's blue. I see what's possible. There's no lid on this bucket. I do not have to stay here. And so my challenge today is take the first step at least towards the edge of the bucket at least toward the side make a move make a move
So what does a move look like, Pastor? Well, it, it looks like this. Make a move toward Jesus. You know, when Peter was out on walking on water doing the impossible, and then he realized he was doing the impossible, and suddenly it wasn't possible anymore, and he, he started gulping water, and he fell, and he cried out, Jesus, help me. And Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand and brought him back into the boat. It says they walked back to the boat together. Wow. Miracle number two. And so wherever you are, you can say, Lord Jesus, help me. Like the centurion who said, Lord, <laughs> I believe, help my unbelief. What an honest prayer. So wherever you are, just make a move. Don't, don't, don't wallow in where you are. Just say, all right, I'm going to make a move. I'm going to take a step. Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's a shift of the way you see things, a shift of attitude and saying, you know what? I'm tired of thinking this way. Father, your word says I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind in Romans 12 too. I, I can change the way I think. So I'm going to shift my thinking on this. So make a move. Make a move. Every head bowed.